From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. This program is brought to you in part by Let's Get Real, where forensic accountant Tiffany Couch uses her financial skills to shine the light on the real issues we face every day. If you'd like to make decisions based on fact rather than on cultural pressure, go to letsgetreallife.com, a place where you can find tools to improve your communication skills and to increase your connection to humanity. That's letsgetreallife.com. Today on the show, we're going to talk with author and psychiatrist, Dr. Scott Haltzman. But first, two quick announcements. If you have not become a Patreon supporter, now is the time to do so. As always, there are four very economical levels, and those who sign up at the $20 level receive a signed copy of the Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage. I've extended this offer through the end of January, so act now. Finally, have you ever considered marriage coaching? If the wife or husband you once knew seems to have disappeared, don't throw in the towel before trying coaching first, which is very different from counseling. Coaching isn't clinical or meant for people with mental health issues. It's more of a mentoring program for those who've been there, done that, and who want to see you succeed. So many of my clients are shocked to learn that the tools they need to sustain love have been available to them all along, but in a culture in which equality reigns, they haven't had permission to access the glorious differences between women and men that make love work. I can help you develop the skills you need to speak your spouse's language and create a more peaceful and passionate relationship. If your marriage is struggling, sign up now for your free 30-minute exploratory call by going to SuzanneVenker.com and clicking on the button at the top. And now on with the show. Dr. Scott Holtzman, also known as Dr. Scott, is internationally recognized for his work on infidelity and in support of marriage. He has appeared on the Today Show, 2020, Nightline, Good Morning America, The Rachel Ray Show, as well as a whole host of print media. Scott's most recent book is The Secrets of Surviving Infidelity. His other books include The Secrets of Happily Married Men and The Secrets of Happily Married Women, as well as The Secrets of Happy Families. It will surprise no one listening to this podcast as to why I invited Scott on this program. Scott was kind enough to read an advanced copy of my book, The Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage in 2017 and provide a blurb for that book. So that's how he and I connected. And when I reached out to him to come on the Suzanne Venker show and asked him if he remembered me, he typed back, the alpha wife. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Scott. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So excited to talk with you. I know that people are going to love this conversation and this information that you have to offer. I, um, I told people in the intro how I originally got with you. Um, that you wrote this blurb for the alpha females guide and so much in that book overlaps the theme that's, you know, the same kind of themes that you talk about. And I can't remember how I originally found the secrets of happily married women book, but I'm like, yes, like nobody will ever say this stuff that is potentially like, you know, sounds wrong to the naked ear for especially young women, but it's just so dead on, which is exactly like my work. So I'm excited to talk with you. And I appreciate your book for the same reason, because it, uh, it's a tough thing to talk about, and um, results-oriented women like you understand that uh, that there's a lot of truth in things that don't want to be talked about. So let's talk. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to start with, so there's three books we're going to focus on, The Secrets of Happily Married Men, 
eight ways to win your wife's heart forever. We're going to go through what those are. And then the secrets of happily married women, how to get more out of your relationship by doing less. And then the secrets of surviving infidelity, which we'll just touch upon at the end. So we're going to start with the married men one. I, in full disclosure, have not read that book. I only have the other one with me, but I know that um, I, I wrote down what you, what you have as content in there and I, I know what you're getting at. So um, we're going to start with that. Okay. I love how you said eight ways to win, eight ways to win your wife's heart forever. How did you come up with that subtitle? That was pretty brilliant. Uh, well, um, thank you. That's the first person that's ever called that subtitle brilliant. Let me just <laughs> absorb that for a minute. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I think the whole point of the secrets of happily married men is that men need to treat their relationship like a job. And, um, and, and I think men can relate to, um, things like, uh, here are the steps that you need to do to succeed at this particular job or to succeed at your golf game or to do well in your investments in the stock market. Uh, the idea of laying out a plan for men and saying, here are the steps you need to mm -hmm. take, uh, resonates with men. And by the way, I'll say as a, as a, as a preamble, uh, I will talk about men and I'll talk about women. I don't mean to say all men feel this way or all women feel this way. Um, these are broad generalities that don't necessarily apply to everybody. So I just want your audience to keep that in mind, as I know your audience should, because uh, you mm -hmm. would say the same thing about your writings mm -hmm. as well. Um, but in general, men can relate to getting a job done and value that. Uh, as to winning your wife's heart forever, I said, well, you know, why, why limit it to just our lifetime? Let's just make it, you know, for eternity. Yeah. Love it. Well, okay. So that is number one. That is the number one of the seven or the eight step, eight ways, excuse me, make your marriage, your job. And as soon as I read that, I thought about my husband who has absolutely 150% done that. And I got to thinking about how some men, let's just stay focused on men here, since that's what this book is on, how they get that mindset and how they know to do that. In his case, it was because he was a product of divorce. And he was not going to get this wrong. Hmm. And he knows viscerally what it feels like to have a family fall apart. And that therefore, his entire, you know, mindset and priority was just having a strong family. So he and I are like minded in that. But, but I mean, where would a man or a young man get that mindset about marriage, do you think? Uh, you, you know, you bring up a good point. And in fact, I, if you were to ask me where I got that mindset from, it would be exactly the opposite, which is that my, my father and mother were in intact marriage uh, during their whole uh, relationship together. And um, so for me, it was a matter of watching and modeling and also, um, you know, interviewing, I'm a psychiatrist. And, uh, while originally I didn't go into practice just doing relationships, in fact, still practice general psychiatry. I really took the opportunity to, to talk with a lot of men that I came into contact with. And I was fortunate when I was working on this book to work at a veterans hospital. So that gave me an opportunity to talk to all kinds of men, men who were married, asking them, how, how do you do it? How, what, what are your strategies for, for staying married? 
And then that's where I, I, I then launched a web, website. It's now called drscott.com. But at the time, it was called secretsofmarriedmen.com. Just soliciting information from men about what strategies they do, uh, they engage in uh, to keep relationships together. And it really boiled down to, for men, it boiled down to pragmatics. Mm-hmm. Do this. Here's, you know, here is the approach you take when this happens. And that was so different than everything I was hearing relationship experts on television mm-hmm. or even my, my training. They, they, that, they were all talking about your emotions. And the men were talking about your actions. And I liked that. Love it. Yeah. And so we just need more of that really for men. And it's got to come. I mean, ideally, it would come from other men, right? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So number two is know your wife. What do you mean by that? We, let's stick with the analogy of work. I mean, if you, if you have a client at, at uh, your job, whether it's a, a sales job, whether, you are, um, whether you're working for a company uh, and you have to deal with your boss, uh, you really, in order to succeed at whatever work you're doing, you want to know who your client is. Uh, do they enjoy having chit chat talks about the New England Patriots. Of course, no one's enjoying having chit chat talks about New England Patriots these days, but that's besides the point. Um, do they like to talk about their kids? I mean, who are they? And then if you're, if you're, if you're in sales or even if you have a boss, you, you kind of get to know what they're about mm-hmm. so that you can meet their needs better. And, and even if they're a client with a complaint, what you want to do is you would get want to get to understand what their complaint is about their product before you can come in and solve it. So really, this just says, get to know who your customer is, get to know who your wife is, get to know her tastes, her likes, and don't assume because there are things that you like, or their tastes that you have, that it, it applies to her. So getting to know your wife is a critical element to being successful in winning her heart. Right. And you actually put that in both books for happily married women and men for her to know your husband and him to know your wife. And when we get to that other one, I'm excited for that because you talk about seven aspects of um, a man's core nature, which mm. I loved. So we'll, um, we'll come back to that. But okay, so that's number two. Number three is, <laughs> I'm laughing here, be home now. Mm. I think I know where you're going there. Well, you, you know, it's, it, I, I will say that uh, I've been married now 31 years. And so um, my wife is kind of at the point where she's saying, I get out already. <laughs> um, but I think what happens is when you just get uh, married, there's, you know, there's a lot of pulls in a lot of directions. You used to go, you used to hang out with, uh, with the guys after work. Uh, you used to get together with your your friends in their man cave, or go out golfing uh, a couple days, uh, a couple you know, a couple times in the weekend, um, and some of those habits are going to need to change if you're going to be successful in your marriage because your wife needs you to be there and be present, and that, that's one aspect of be home now. And the other aspect is the very complicated one of balancing work and and marriage. Uh, and that, Which that you never hear about for men ever. There's never any articles on that for men. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of assumptions um, about what men bring to a relationship. 
And uh, almost never uh, does that include the possibility that a man not work. Uh, and uh, that's not the, the, the main focus of this chapter, but the main focus of this chapter is that when you, when you meet your wife and choose to marry her and put a ring on her finger, the immediate emotion that goes through a man's mind when that ring goes on his finger is, oh my God, now I have to take care of her. I have to provide. I have to get the kids through college. Uh, I, I got to get them through four years of an Ivy League school. How am I going to do that? And now this is just the, you know, the day after the wedding. Hopefully not Ivy League. That would be very costly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you know, when you're panicked and thinking about these things, you're th yeah. thinking about exactly those. Um, and, uh, and different thoughts go through a, a, a woman's mind on average when, when her finger goes on, ring goes on her finger. Maybe we can talk about that more later. But at least for a man, those are the things that he's anxious about. But he's so focused on those things sometimes that he forgets that what his wife needs is for mm -hmm. him to be available. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. And then that gets into the balance of, okay, I need to provide and be available. How do I do that? And Exactly. Um, what does that look like in real, real, real time or whatever? It is, uh, there's no easy solution. I think, um, what it looks like, and this is the premise of the entire book of secrets of happily married men. And I, and I will now tell you that when that ring goes on the finger, that man says, Oh my God, how do I take care of her? And he's, he says, okay, that's it. We're married. We're married for life. That's taken care of. Now let me go on and take care of maintaining stability. When the ring goes on the, 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 the bride's finger, uh, she goes to bed that night feeling in seventh heaven, but she wakes up in the morning saying, wait a minute, the, does he still love me? I mean, is, is he still going to be there? Yeah, we got married yesterday, but how do I know that he cares about me? And, and the way that he needs to demonstrate that is to make her a priority and make her feel like a priority. So things like, yeah, you're working your butt off because these are your formative years, but you call home. Hey, honey, how you doing? You, you know, you, you make sure that you go home right after work and don't hang out with all of your friends. Um, if there are a lot of priorities at work, you try to negotiate them, try to consolidate what you can. Make her continue to feel like even though you are at work, what you're thinking about or what you care about is her. Well, I can, yeah, I can vouch for that personally. I was actually married once before. I've been married for 23 years to my husband, almost an empty nester, but um, I was married for four years, no mm -hmm. kids, in my early 20s, and that's absolutely 100% what happened. I, he was a workaholic, and I did not come first in any way, shape, or form, and that killed it. So, I But I would say that he probably was thinking to himself, she's coming first because, yeah, because, I'm, working, yeah. because right. I'm working my ass off. Right, but you know what I went through my head at the time, Scott, is, well, you'd be doing that anyway. Well, that may be true, but because he's doing, but he's doing it for you. Yes, right. I did at the time. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm just telling you what, I mean, I get it now as an older person and having been married a long time, but at the time, that's where my head was. was just but I'm not, I'm not, you married me or not. You know? I'm not excusing him because he didn't take the time to make you feel like you were a priority. So you can do both. You can work your yeah. butt off, but you can also say to your wife, For sure. you know, I hate to work my butt off um, I, and I'm anticipating this and I'm going to look and I'm going to make these compromises and I'm going to move forward so that you know that ultimately you're the one that matters most. And the, you, those are important steps to take. Absolutely. Okay. Number four is, and this is a big one, Scott, because um, gosh, I have a lot of thoughts about why this is so 
I think it's difficult in er any era, but especially so now. Expect conflict and deal with it. Well, it it is a big one, Suzanne. And um, and as you know, in The Secrets of Happily Married Women book, it's a parallel uh, chapter as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the, this is the, you know, the, 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 the core element of marriage education because marriage education is really helping couples deal with conflict. I had a conversation with a social work friend of mine, um, who's very excited. She came up with this great idea, which by the way, I'm not going to participate in, um, of when couples have an argument, you can call this 1-800 line and immediately have contact with a available a uh, social worker slash psychiatrist expert in couples relationships, and they'll help you resolve your problem. <laughs> and I said, well, um, speaking to my friend, I said that the problem is that research tells us that big, that household items, things that couples argue about and have conflict about, that 85% of those issues are never resolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the goal is not necessarily to resolve those things. Uh, the goal is to be able to uh, get couples to uh, deal with the conflict and the disagreement around them and to, uh, to, to, to kind of respectfully be able to live and work together, even though you may never solve this. How do you yeah. live together despite it? No question. And, I think that's a big thing. And I think the idea of the, that people automatically assume that if you can't resolve it, then you're, there's something wrong with your marriage. Yes. Rather than understanding, you're just going to get another set of problems when you marry the next person. It's about, yeah, it's not about getting this in sync. There are many things that just are never going to be in sync and you just accept it and you move on. If you can't compromise, you, you just accept it. That's a, and, that's a hard and, one for people. Yeah, or just, you know, you recognize that that there's going to be some changes that are going to take time over place, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and you need to keep perspective on all of it. You know, it's difficult when your emotions are high, uh, and that's one of the secrets of, of, you know, dealing with conflict is keep the emotions, uh, you know, lower. Try to empathize where your partner's coming from and stay away from things like finger-pointing, you know, blaming, uh, and you know, labeling your partner because that just gets your partner defensive and you just start a, a spiral that has, uh, that experts will predict can, can lead to the end of a marriage. Well, and that leads well into number five, which is learn to listen. I'm sorry. What did you say? I said that what you just said leads well into number five, which is learn to listen. Oh, I'm sorry. You missed the joke there. I did. Yeah. What did I miss? I asked you what you said because I wasn't listening. Oh my God. I totally <laughs> missed it. If anyone's listening to me right now, they'll be la- the people that know me will laugh at that and say, Oh, that's that's Suzanne. That would go right over her head. <laughs> well, I that's like funny. the I like the people oh, that know you then. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Um, right. So learn to so listening skills and, and, and by the way, this for men is so I mean, I'll spend time with men when I go to lectures and talks, and it's so it's it's so exciting because I think what men tend to do is men want to solve the problem. They want to jump in with a solution. And then women will respond with what I think is the main complaint of women, which is you never listen. And a man's like, what do you mean I never miss it? Not only did I listen, I, I actually came up with a good solution. And so I think um, what what men need to understand many men, you know, depending on where their wives are coming from, and all of us, by the way, need to be heard, 
is that for often women, you know, the, is, it's, the issue is not looking for a solution. The issue is knowing that you understand what the problem is and feeling supported. Uh, and that's not the way men interact with each other, by the way. Your, your female les- listeners need to appreciate that that is not natural for men to listen to another man say, oh, you know, no, right. I, I just I just met with my boss and he just reamed me out. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and they, we, we don't say to other men, oh, that sucks. We say, well, what, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And that's what we men look for. Um, well, sometimes. Sometimes we just need support, too. But, uh, yeah, so men need to learn to listen. And, and by the way, they'll say, I'm a great listener. Okay, yes, you might be. But you need to make sure that your wife feels listened to. Yeah, and I want to throw in there, Scott, that especially today with phones and media being what it is at our fingertips, it's just really critical to say to both women and men, but especially men, if they're since they're more visual and they might have a harder time with it, you have to put that down completely. Yes. Turn it over or get it out of the room. You cannot have a conversation with your wife with the phone up where you can see your notifications and all that. Either turn it over or move it out of the room, or she's never going to feel that you're listening. You know, it's funny. When I wrote the book, probably, what, 2000, I want to say 2006. That's about right. And at the time, I said, basically, you have to, you know, turn off the TV. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I, and, and I make the point of saying, you can't just mute the TV. Yeah, right. Because then you're trying to stare around your wife to see what happens. Now, yep. now of course, you can just pause the TV. Uh, at least I can, and my, you know, because I've got yep. this special yada yada. Um, and but the, but of course, I didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the interruptions of social networks. So just in the last fifteen years, yeah. you know, things have have changed in that way. But I agree a hundred percent. You've got to put down the electronics. Okay, this next one, number six, is kind of when I first say it, it's going to rub. I suspect some people the wrong way, and you don't know this because we I've talked a lot about. Um, men not being pleasers. And so we can get into the specifics of that if you want, but you wrote aim to please. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, that's, it, it goes along the idea of, uh, you've probably covered at some point, Suzanne, or, or, or met people have talked about uh, the love languages, mm-hmm. five love languages by mm-hmm. Chapman. And uh, I didn't, I mean, I actually only knew about it because my patients kept telling me about it. I don't write about the love languages there, but the concept is the same. Find out what your partner needs and then and then meet those needs. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to the, the second chapter about, you know, get to know your wife, learn about her. Um, and you need to make the effort to do it. Again, I think what I would say to myself before I became, quote unquote, enlightened, um, and of course, if my wife heard that, she'd kind of be making a face like, you know, Scott, you're a million miles away from being enlightened. But... Uh, I've improved. Uh, but I think, you know, my idea at that time might have been, well, I'm working my butt off. Um, I, I, you know, I'm coming home every day. Um, I'm, I'm meeting the, the criteria for pleasing her. After all, she has access to my paycheck and um, the support. And on weekends, I take the kids out to the playground. Um, you know, only years later did I realize she felt I was deserting her by taking the kids out to the playground. <laughs> You know, because it wasn't it wasn't expressed in a way that was 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 meeting her needs. She needed the relief, but she also needed to know I was there for her. So get to know what what pleases her, whether try it is assume it uh, and try to take over. You mean? Excuse like, me. 
You mean instead of assuming it and trying to just do it your own way or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not couching it the right way or not kind of inviting her to participate in that. You know, I wanted to be the Superman, so I just swooped them up instead of saying, hey, you know, what would you like to do? What would make you happy? And just using those words would make a huge difference for her. When you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneVenker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. Okay, and the last one is understand the truth about sex, which is kind of funny in a in a book for secrets of happily married men. What what is what is the truth about sex you want them to know? Yeah, well, I don't think that's the last one, right? Isn't there one? After no, that? you're right. There is one more. I'm sorry. Thank you. That's you okay. Tell me about that while I find that um, right. Uh, well, um, so. This, you know, this is a, a topic as old as age itself. And I will say that, the, you know, the number one complaint men have about their wives, and they don't tend to complain about their wives, would be that uh, no matter how I try, I can't do anything right. Um, and I think in part they are trying and they probably are doing a lot right. They're just not voicing it in the proper way or carrying it out well. But but the issue about sex is that's probably the second complaint in in a marriage, particularly in, mm-hmm. in newer marriages that have been going on for you know past the honeymoon, is that men often feel like they they'd like to have more sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the issue is men just have more testosterone than women. Uh, men are you know if you give a woman a, 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 in, in you know a, a dose of testosterone, she will start mm-hmm. on average to feel hornier. Yep. Um, she will start to feel more cravings for sex. So men have these higher needs for sex, and and I think that that we've been we've been first of all trying to shame men mm-hmm. into like why why don't you just get over it? Um, and and the second thing is I think that we've been uh, therapists have done men a disservice by basically saying, well, you know, if you were if you if you you know what do they say things like. Uh, uh, foreplay starts all yeah, day. If you do more at home, which actually yeah. isn't true, but if you do more around the house all the time, that you're going to be getting more sex. But then they came out with a study that showed that the more feminine chores men do, the less sex they get. <laughs> well, yeah. There's I mean, some, I'm not suggesting that nobody, there's never going to be any overlap. I'm just laughing at the you can't win scenario. You know? it, it, that is, and I think part of it is because we're, because, you know, I think. <sighs> I think sex has become conditional, um, uh, and um, 
which That's is problem. fine, but I think sex could, should also just be part of a marriage and not sex all the time. But I, the point I make in this book is that while that's an important value, your wife is not going to hold to that value until you get back to square, ta square, what is it? Uh, well, whatever, square one, mm -hmm. or brass tacks. But, and that is to say that your wife must feel like a priority, kind of look at you were talking about in your first marriage. She's got to feel like a priority. She's got to feel like you care about her more than anyone else. And then if she feels that way, that still doesn't mean she'll start getting all hot and bothered for you. But I it know means, one of the things, oh, sorry, go ahead. But I was going to say, it means you can have a conversation with her now about the fact that your needs may be different than hers. Oh, right, right. how do we get right. there? Right. Like, in other words, if you're meeting her needs, she's more likely to hear what you have to say if they're Yes. Not. Yeah. Yeah. And you wrote in that um, chapter about um, women need help to be in the mood. And I have written a lot or talked a lot about romancing your wife. And though, while you can't do that every single time, right. you know, you set the stage up every single time, that's unrealistic, but do it regularly and soften her. There is a way to soften her. And it, it, it's just something that she's going to need and she can do. And you'll get a different response from her, whereas a man can just do it. So it's exactly. Just it's so much exactly. easier for men to just do it. And so I think there's a lot of sex going on where it's just more you know, his way than her way, because it takes more for her and you have to have the kids out of the way and, you know, things be just so, which is um, a different kind of sex. It's better, <laughs> but it's less frequent, I would imagine. It, it is. And studies do show sex between married couples are deeper and more meaningful than between, you know, cohabitating or dating couples. Um, but, you know, I will speak from the man's point of view is that I can do all those things and... Uh, if I say one thing wrong in the course of all that, or miss an opportunity to say something, um, that it can get turned off like that. Um, so you wrote a piece recently, I think I saw about how w women use, use that against men. So they use it as punishment or something and how horrible that is, which I totally agree with. I didn't read it. It was just, well, I think, yes, but I think I was quoted in an article. I don't know that I would be daring enough to actually, uh, write that article uh on its own but it's a it is a, it, it is something that has been um you know that men often feel like women are using sex as punishment and women will just kind of innocently say well no mm -hmm. i'm just saying that you have to earn it um which but, is very wrong you know it's a complicated issue and i'm certainly not saying it should be a birthright that, that, you know, men and women should have sex whenever either person wants to have it, no matter what. Mm -hmm. no. But I also don't think that you should have all these hurdles exactly. before you finally say, okay, now we can do it. Because there's no other, your partner can't get sex from anyone else except you. Um, and so, uh, you know, withholding it is really, um, is really, uh, it, it, yeah, it's harmful to the marriage. Okay, last one before we get to the happily married women one. Um, introduce yourself, you wrote. Introduce yeah. yourself. What does that mean? Well, that kind of links to what I was saying about about um, even talking about the sex thing. Is, um, you know, once you have... A, the, as, most of the, the, the folks, your listeners that have been listening carefully, been writing a book about a happily married men thinking, well, crack. You know, you, this whole article, this whole book is about making your wife happy. How is that a happily married man? And that's the key to the, that's where it really says, hey, until she feels cared for, until she feels loved, until she feels listened to, 
until she feels like she's a priority, you're not going to get your needs met. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be a happily married man. But once she does reach that threshold, then it's time to introduce yourself to her and say, hey, uh, you may have had assumptions about me. You know, you didn't read Dr. Scott's book about secrets of happily married women. You know, you, you may have assumptions about me, but I, I, I need to clarify some of those things. And I let, need to let you know what are important values for me. And if you do that in that context, she's much more willing and, and able to listen. And there, is, and, and there is, is your happiness. But don't forget that for m- most men, just the fact that their wives are happy you know, and not complaining and not saying that you're not meeting their needs. That in itself is a, a form of tremendous happiness that, uh, that I think is it, many men would be, would be happy with. Yeah. I talk a lot. I talk a lot about that. I don't know if we're going to get into that in the, in the other book, but um, that that's ultimately what they long for. And if you're happy, it means they're doing something right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and, and the opposite, if you're unhappy, it, maybe you're do, do, doing something wrong. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. John fact, Gray, the um, the Sorry. author of um, uh, you know Mars and Venus, tells this very funny story about um, you know you take your wife to the movie, and uh, you know if she loves the movie, you walk out and you go, yeah, yeah, I, I produced it, I directed it, I starred in it. Yes, I'm glad you love that movie because you feel like. You chose the movie and it went wonderfully, but God forbid you, she hates the movie and you're her husband. You feel terribly responsible. You're really, really that much. You care about her happiness. It took me a very long time to understand that anytime I was in a bad mood or was kvetching about something or what have you, that it it wasn't just like doing that with a girlfriend or a mom or a daughter or something. It was very different for him. He, mm-hmm. he received that as a personal um, he's doing something wrong, just like you said. And I just, I didn't see it for many years. I, of course, I see it clear as day now, but I didn't. Um, and it's, it's such an important skill for wives to learn how not to, unless it's really important and needs to be addressed, that's something else. But if it's just, you know, fly by night, I'm just mad because of whatever to just, just, just don't talk about it. <laughs> just don't say it. <laughs> You're just much better off because um, nothing good will, will come, come from it. Bitch to someone else, so to speak. Okay. Let's get to the secrets of happily married women, um, which is, uh, you know, as they say, a lot of people who know me and my work will, this will resonate because they've heard me talk about these very similar things. And I love the way you put it. So we're just going to go through it. I actually have the book right here in my, in my hand. So it's a little bit easier. The first one is, as you wrote, know your wife. And the other one, know your husband. And then you talked about the seven, these seven things that represent the core nature of men, which I want to go through. And I think it will surprise some people to hear hear them, especially number five, which we'll get to in a second. Number one, men need to feel cared for. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're seeking marriage. Um, and, you know, again, these are things I think what I like to joke about is Matter of fact, you just do me a favor, just read all seven of them and then we can kind of take them apart. Men need to feel cared for. Men need acknowledgement of their efforts. Men have trouble verbalizing love and regret. Men need to protect their families. And here was the number five I was referencing, mm-hmm. which I love. Men need to be right and in control. 
men need action and men have undeniably strong attraction to females. Yeah. So what I usually do is I read people those seven things and women will say, yes, if we can just get rid of those seven things, (laughs) then we'll have a perfect man. And I'm saying, if you could just understand those seven things, you could also have a perfect marriage. Exactly. Exactly. So, right. So nobody wants, listen, it's not attractive. It's not, it doesn't put a man in a great light to say he wants to be cared for. Um, But he's, but he is, um, you know, he, he, he likes the idea of someone taking care of him. He likes the idea of, um, God, I'm, you know, I'm about to look, I'm 60 years old. I, my career is whatever you want. Anyway. You can say yeah. whatever you want, but just having her make a dinner for him. Yep. And again, we're not saying that for the rest of her life, she's got to make dinner for him, but it's just a nice thing. And he likes it. And that's okay. That's part of who he is. Uh, and well, the, secret, um, I, the flip ahead. side, the, the flip side secret to that, that we don't like to acknowledge is that guess what? A lot of women, whether they're aware of it or not, whether they allow themselves or not, actually enjoy doing that. So it's actually a two-way street. Well, the only, you know, it's funny to hear you hesitate because we've been so um, acculturated to think that there's something demeaning about cooking a damn meal, right? Like You're the right. idea of being in the kitchen has been so... Um, beat on over the years that you're, you you almost feel like you have to, uh, is it okay if I say, you know, th- to make them a meal? I mean, what the hell? What is wrong with making food for somebody? Look at Barefoot Contessa. She makes an art out of it, right? And we watch the stuff on Food Network and say, oh, it's so great when they do it. But God forbid you do it for the, the person you're supposed to love most in the world. What's with that? And it's a two-way street. You like to do it and he likes to receive it. And it can go the other way. It's just that, it's just that Men don't, it, it is different. It is different to be um, cared for. If there's a slight, I said this in one of my books, it's, there's a slight mother-son relationship at play in marriage. It's very slight where you think of the same way you would treat your son. If you treated your husband that same way, you're going to get the same exact response. Does that? And don't forget that, and I don't disagree with that, but don't forget that, you know, men are out there on their, not all men, again, on their grills, coming in with the huge, it's not that we don't want to do things for our wives or for our families. No, 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 um, no. So, but, but yes, that, that you can just call it a mother son thing. Um, it could just be a, a, a human nature thing. I think men are out there a lot of the time viewing themselves as taking care of others. But I, what I want women to understand is men sometimes need to be taken care of and there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Okay. And they need acknowledgement of their efforts. So you have to say in response to them doing something for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That was awesome. As opposed to just saying nothing because that goes a long way with them. Yeah. And I think in that aspect, I tell the story about, um, about uh, a man who helps his wife empty some of the, the bags from the back of her, uh, from the back of her uh, SUV after she goes shopping. Now, granted, she gets in the car, she goes shopping, she spends an hour and a half there, she comes back, she's unloading, he goes and grabs two or three bags, and then he stands there in the kitchen like, hey. I did something great. I did something great. <laughs> and and so, so, I would, so I would say to, to, to this, to, this is a particular conversation I had at a, at, a, at a book club, actually. I said, well, so what did you say? And she said, well, 
you carried in two bags. I just spent, you know, two hours shopping. I should give you credit. And, and right away, that's deflating, as opposed to saying, you are the best bag carrier in the world. Who can carry a bag better than you? Thank yeah. you, honey. Bingo. And what's the results Bingo. of that going to be? I mean, the results of that is like, yeah, man, I carry those bags great. <laughs> and next time no. she comes, I'm going to carry more. Scott, you're, you and I are thinking I'm 52, and we were both raised, I assume, with these very age-old messages from moms and dads who kind of knew this stuff and didn't take it so personally. But it's it's such it's such a um, there's a knee-jerk reaction that you can have to those things. And that's why this whole book, The Secrets of Happily Married Women, are women who don't fight against that and 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 take issue with it, but just go with it. Just go with it. It works. And when you have this mindset that that's beneath you or that's whatever, you're going to consistently have conflict. So it's like, what do you, what is the goal here? Do you want to solve the conflict or don't you? Well put. Um, okay. This is an interesting one. So men have trouble verbalizing love and regret, which I think is so true. Yeah. I think we all, we all kind of know that we, that that's an age old tale and it may be biological. It may be how they're socialized. A good example of that might be, um, you know, the husband and wife might get in an argument and they, they, they spend some time, they're separating and all. And before you know it, the man is in the, in, in the kitchen, emptying the dishwasher. You know, um, I think if a woman recognizes that's his way of saying, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. because, because for men, apologizing is they they tend to be much more hierarchical, mm-hmm. uh, one-upsmanship and um for women it's really more it's more a um you know saying i'm sorry is just a way to open the conversation again uh and i think men need to learn to say they're sorry and they need to understand that sorry means something different in man speak and women speak but again i'm just letting you guys know understand there's a difference don't make the assumption that he's the way you are yep uh, need to protect their families. That's kind of a given. Of course, you need to protect your family. It's in- yeah, but don't again. You get, but you're going to view me as being bossy if I'm trying to protect your family. If I say to you, honey, the knives in the dishwasher should go point down. You know, uh, just now that that is pure and simple. Me protecting my family. But how do you think? Uh, you know, not me. But don't tell me how to husband, do it. How do you think exactly? You're not my father. You can't tell me how to do it. So it is. It, it's an example of where trying to protect your family gets perceived as bullying people. Right, but keep in mind. So this whole book, Secrets of Happily Married Women, everyone, which I highly recommend everybody go get, is essentially saying, look, if you can rise above all that and you understand your man, you're not going to have these problems that he's just described. With and the- by the way, that's why the subtitle of the book is how to get more out of your marriage by doing yeah, less. Exactly. I mean, don't overthink these things. Exactly. He's trying to trying to protect you. You you just put him in down or ask him to fix it when he sees it the wrong way. You know, boom. And that goes hand in hand with the men need to be right and in control. Now I want to, that's the next one, number five. And I want to preface this by saying, so people will get their back up with this because a lot of women will be like, well, I want to be right and in control. And I have to sort of lay out what the difference actually is, which I will let you do since you're my guest. Well, see, there's this idea in, in uh, one of the, um, uh, Deborah Tannen writes that, uh, men communicate for report, and women communicate for rapport. 
Um, and, and it's, uh, on average, factual accuracy, you know, is important for a man and, um, collecting data and conveying the data is what we get satisfaction from. That's why men spend so much time memorizing sports statistics or, uh, you know, or reviewing the reviewing portfolios. They, they, and, and I think when men are trying to communicate ideas, um, women are more communicating for how, how is that being expressed? Yep. And, and what's, what's the underlying, uh, you know, meaning behind it and what's he trying to say? Uh, sometimes, sometimes your husband's going to be right. And, and he's put a lot of time and effort into thinking about what he's thinking. And so to just kind of dismiss him because he's being a jerk um, doesn't help. If you listen to the content, then it may be easier to say, yeah, you're right. Uh, and I guess the control thing, again, is just it, it is instinctual. It's not. It's not meant to control the human. It's meant to control the circumstances yes. because he's supposed to protect and provide. So if he's out of control, he's not doing what he's meant to do on this planet. I mean, that's essentially it. Whereas when a woman's trying to get in control, it's not because she's trying to protect and provide for her man. Her reasons for wanting to be in control are totally different. That's my argument anyway. I, I think it's. A, I think you actually said it probably better than I've been saying it. So I, I'll stick with that. Okay. Um, I'm going to go through the next two kind of quickly so we can move forward. Yeah. Men need action. That sure. kind of speaks for itself and yeah. obvious. Um, and then men have an undeniably strong attraction to females, which is which is also obvious. Except I think your point in saying that um, is that it doesn't. It, that well, you you go ahead and say it. I no, I, what I was imagining you were going to say is if your if your husband is interested in sex or even looks at another woman walking across the room, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not personal. It's part of who he is. And you can either choose to argue about it and change him and say, you shouldn't have such a strong sex drive and you shouldn't find other women attractive or say, Hey, you know, it's part of who you are. So, uh, so what are we going to do about it? Let's get naked. There you go. Love that. Okay, number two. So so just in case anybody's coming in now a little confused, there are seven. Um, we're going to go through the seven secrets. But that first one had seven <laughs> things that we just talked about with the core nature of men. So now I'm going to number two of the seven secrets. Nurture his needs. Yeah, and just so that your the readers know, don't worry. There's not seven sections of seven chapters. No, there's not. <laughs> 49 things to keep track of. <laughs> No. Um, yeah. So I think basically there's a really a very clear tie in between the first and the second. The one is get to understand his needs and, and the second is to nurture them. And so the first, you know, what I do with the secrets of happily married men and I'm doing with this book as well is, you know, there's some um, some of the, the chapters are cognitive. They're ways of thinking about it. And some are more action oriented. And this is really just more action oriented. Now, you know, these things about your husband or you're, you know, you're, 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 you're a male life partner. And even for, again, for, for, for uh, lesbian couples, there may be one partner that fits this description more than another. It doesn't have to be broken down by gender. But if you do know these things about your partner, stop trying to fight against them mm -hmm. and, you know, just try to go with it because it's going to make him feel empowered 
and it's going to make you feel uh, loved. And, uh, you know, you can either choose to be resentful about these things, as I joked about earlier, or you can just kind of accept it. And, you know, you mentioned sons and daughters and, uh, and sons and mothers. But, you know, the interesting thing is women know this in their, in their, in their sons. I know. You know, they see this stuff go on. I mean, they, they wish that their sons might be, and again, not all sons, but might be more sensitive or, or you know, better at talking about their feelings. But they accept that this is the way their sons are. But somehow they look at their husbands and say, get it together. I need Absolutely. more from you. And I mean, what is a, a, a husband but a grown boy? I mean, he's an adult boy. He's still a boy. I mean, he's still a male. Sorry, male. Say that. An adult male. Right. Okay. And by the way, in defense of men, which I'm always happy to do, mm -hmm. um, you, know, a very, in, in, you know, a very significant portion of men have been raised by women only. So it's not just that some other guy has put their notion in their mind that this is the way that they need to be. Uh, I believe to some extent, a lot of it, it's biological. Well, now you're speaking my language. Okay, fight better. That's the next one. And I, I want to go through this um, by just saying that I, I don't know if you wrote it in here. One of the things you did was talk about top marital conflicts, childcare and housework, sex, mm -hmm. money, parenting, and use of leisure time. But I'd rather just sum it up to say um, what your overall, well, you're, there's a lot of, you have a lot of tips in here about how to fight, how to fight better, right. essentially, which is all great stuff, um, which we don't have time to go through. But I've, I've always said that men don't like to fight with women. I don't know what you think of that, um, or if you wrote something about that that I missed in this chapter. But I think there's something to that and that women actually like it and, and men just simply don't. <laughs> Yeah, I think men get physiologically, um, are, they, they, they become more um, fight or flight. They become, uh, and it's an uncomfortable feeling for men. Uh, plus, remember that men on average are stronger, uh, larger, uh, more dangerous than women in a physical fight. And so if they feel that physical fight coming up, they'll want to suppress it. Uh, whereas a, a, a woman might frequently want to say, come on, let's, let's, let's go for it. Uh, but it's uh, it feels too dangerous for men to do that. And we don't have to talk much more about this chapter because it's very similar to the other chapter in the in men called uh, Expect Conflict and Learn to Deal with It. It's right. really some of the same yeah. principles. Definitely. Okay, the next one is Talk Less, which was actually exactly one of the things that I had in my book as well. And I just think there's so much to uh, being quiet, so much, so much that comes from not saying what we want to say that mm -hmm. you have to, until you put it into action, you can't really understand the power of being quiet. And mm -hmm. again, that's something that the culture has instilled, especially in women, that they should never be quiet, right? They're constantly having to stake their claim or whatever. And it's just completely, in my opinion, destructive when it comes to marriage, because there's so much to be said for just saying nothing. But it's very helpful for friendships, for friendships with other other women, for example, just talking on the phone and connecting and just pouring out words. You can feel really good afterwards. But I agree, it's not necessarily good for marriage. Uh, again, earlier, as I talked about, women do, uh, talk for rapport, uh, but men are listening for rapport. And, and that's the reason I say talk less. I'm not saying don't talk. Right. But if you want to convey a message to your husband, you know, give him the message right off the bat. Let him know specifically what you're talking about and what you're expecting from him instead of telling a story. Because um, you may, it may be polite in your own mind to not just jump right in on something, but
but I can tell you, it can be really frustrating for your husband. Like, what is she getting at? Right. And you talk about manese communication and understanding that men are very nonverbal. And you use an example of a woman who knows that her husband's words um, are when he says something and you can tell that something's wrong rather than try to beat it out of him. Just wait and be patient. Yes. And it will eventually come around. Sure. And, and, um, you know, it becomes a safer, it becomes safer if the guy can have a little bit of, you know, space, uh, and, and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of quiet. And that space, some of that space, Scott, is just to sort out their own emotions, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, we, we know from, uh, at least we think we understand from research that the, the connection between the left and the right sides of the brain Uh, The part of the brain that understands emotion is opposite from the part of the brain that can talk about emotions. And that connection in that brain, we think, is actually stronger in women than men. So women can understand an emotion, recognize it, and be able to verbalize what it is. Men can do it also, but it takes a lot more time for that process to happen. And once again, understanding that about men makes you softer toward what's happening rather than angry and trying to you know, beat it out of him and do it your way or whatever. I hope, unless you're reading this book, having already figured out the right way to do it, and you're just pissed off that I'm saying things that don't agree with your preconceived notions. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'm going to slightly skip over number five, because we kind of covered it before, and that's have lots of sex. Okay. <laughs> we kind of discussed that, and that's, yeah, that's what it is. Okay, and then take charge of your own happiness is the second to last one. Yeah, and I liked the the five the yeah the five marriage myths that you talked about. What marital happiness is not that marriage makes you happy. That good marriages are always passionate and heart throbbing. That happy marriages all the child care and housekeeping is evenly distributed. That happy marriages both partners are responsible for the level of marital happiness at all times, and that if your marriage makes you unhappy, the best solution is to get out. And I liked all of those myths. Uh, well, thank you. And and marriages, you know, no one's saying that marriage is easy, but I think you're working against Hollywood <clears throat> when you Bingo. when you have to kind of you take a look at what's going on and saying this this isn't right, this doesn't feel right. Well. Uh, there are some really tough times uh, in marriage, and you know it's incredibly rewarding uh, to to succeed at it. Uh, but it's 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 not easy. It's like you know you could do a crossword puzzle that's easy from a children's book, or you could do one from the New York New York Times. And the New York Times one is a lot tougher, but I think you feel a lot more fulfilled. Absolutely, when you get it done. Well, I'm telling you, marriage is a New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> With a 25-watt bulb, you know, in the middle of a, you know, a snowstorm. I don't know. In 50 years, you're still trying to figure out the damn thing. Yeah, right? It's like, what is that clue? <laughs> okay, uh, last one, and then we will close it out. Um, it's called Heal Thyself. And you can say whatever you want about that, of course, but I want to make sure we cover the four attributes of happy women, which I also liked. Do you want me to say those now or did you want? You, yeah, you go for it and then I'll tr- do it. Go okay. there. Uh, being surrounded by friends. You wrote, what, so what does a happy woman look like? Being surrounded by friends, being physically active, being involved in life and being open to spirituality. Uh, well, here, here I think the, the one point I want to get across here, and this is really as a psychiatrist talking to women, not even couples necessarily, who really 
understand what they need to take care of themselves. And for some reason, they don't believe uh, that they deserve it. They don't believe they have time for it. Uh, their lives are too complicated. Uh, and you know what I would say is there's, you'd be hard pressed to find a husband that if you said, I want to go to the spa, I want to take this class, uh, I want to take a hot, a hot bath. You'd be hard find hard pressed to find a husband that wouldn't say, go, take care of yourself. And I think a lot of, well, I feel guilty about taking care of myself when I've got a whole family to take care of. I just want to just burst that bubble, um, that myth of a bubble. You need to take care of yourself. Don't feel guilty about it. That's another example of um, having, you know, doing less to make your marriage better. Mm. Less guilt, more just doing the things that you want to do instead of agonizing yourself and beating yourself up about it because everyone will be happier. And more just being rather than trying to do. Just just being instead of proving something or or um having to produce that's a, that's a biggie and that's of course very countercultural because the opposite message is given to women produce 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 yeah um be like men be like men be like men but in fact we're not and the more women produce the more resentful they get the more exhausted they get it's just a completely different animal than when a man produces and so this idea that you're supposed to be doing the same thing is is bogus and it's causing all sorts of problems. So that's that's what I was thinking of when you were. It, it has that potential. There, yeah. there are probably some women who really whose lives are better because they produce. But I think it's a struggle for a lot of women, and they don't know how to find that balance. And yeah. the book we're not going to talk about is called "The Secrets of Happy Families." But actually, one of the chapters in there does talk about exactly what you said about uh, just breathing. You know, just breathe. Uh, don't do. Just breathe. That's a good. That's a good way to close it. Don't do, just breathe. I like that. Okay, so you're right. We did not get to the secrets of happy families, and I'm not even sure I mentioned that to everybody. So, and then there's also the secrets of surviving infidelity, which we didn't get to, which is also very good. So these are all awesome, awesome resources, and they can find them where Scott. Oh, uh, probably at this point, your best bet is on uh, whatever you know, Amazon.com or whatever book. Uh, selling site uh, you're, you're interested in. Okay. Uh, you can find more information on my website at drscott.com, but that'll probably just take you to an Amazon link. Yeah, but there's a lot of other stuff on drscott.com too. So I would recommend that people check that out as well. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, Scott. This has been very informative and I know people will love it. Thanks for inviting me, Suzanne. It's great talking with you. And I really <laughs> admire the work that you're doing as well. Thank you very much, Scott. Hope to see you soon. And now for the email of the day. This is from Kathy, who writes, Hi, Suzanne. I have a question that maybe you could discuss in your podcast. I'm a millennial, and so is my husband, and we both come from very opposite cultures. We both have always had the traditional mindset of the importance of marriage and children. However, I personally struggle with sticking to the divorce is not an option mindset whenever an intense fight occurs. So, this is really interesting because it, it just has to do with it. It is absolutely 100% about a mindset. I think that there is, it's very human to when you're frustrated to assume and think there must be something better, right? That, it, that if, if you just didn't have the problem that you have in front of you, all would be right with the world. And it's so critical to have in your mind, the knowledge that you 
um, subscribe to and never waver from that it actually isn't better on the other side of the fence. That if you got out of this situation, you would just walk into another one. You might solve this particular problem, but you'll pick up another one. And it's amazing how much, um, well, definitely how easier it is, but also how helpful it is to have that set in stone in your brain um, so that when you're having this, these conflicts, as you will, as everybody will over the course of their lifetime with their spouse, that you will have these conflicts with anyone you're married to because the conflict isn't about the person or this particular marriage. It's just life. Life has conflict. When it's a full life, when you're married, when you're trying to connect with someone else for, the, for, for decades and you have children together and life hits you in deaths and, um, you know, disasters and, you know, all of these things, that's what life is. It's not about finding a marriage or a person for whom that will not be the case. It will be the case with anybody. And just knowing that and keeping that in the forefront of your mind adjusts the way you approach, I think, your spouse and the situation. It's it's really, really a critical piece. I just, I can't tell you how many people I talk to who really struggle with that grass is greener mentality or this constant comparison. And that's another thing, get off social media, right? Don't look at all this other stuff out there um, with any regularity because it will get into your brain and we don't, we don't want it there because it's just showing false crap anyway. It's just not, it, it's not real and it will get you off track from what you want to be doing, which is stay focused on your own life and your own marriage and your own problem that you want to resolve. But again, it's just knowing for a fact that this is life and not your marriage or your guy or your gal. It's, it's just the way it is. And it would be that way anywhere or with anyone. Um, I, I find hugely instructive. I hope that helps Kathy. Okay, that ends this hour of the Suzanne Benker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Benker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>